welcome to Let's Talk Law, the Law Careers podcast for students at King's College London. I'm Caroline Lintner, one of the careers consultants for the Dixon Poon School of Law at King's. And today I am joined by two guests for one of our special episodes. Um, my two guests are Helen Lovegrove and Brett Galloway, and they've both contributed a lot to King's careers and employability. So I'm absolutely delighted that they're here to join me today. It's also a special podcast because it's the last in the current series. We'll be taking a break until early 2022. Um, and our special episodes, just for future reference, focus on a particular theme. And today we're going to be talking about all things applications, interviews and assessment centres. But let me tell you a little bit about my guests before we welcome them to the podcast. So Helen Lovegrove combines extensive experience as a careers consultant, including 14 years of working with Dixon Poon students. With that as a graduate recruitment and development manager in corporate law, accountancy and blue chip organisations. She's also run her own graduate recruitment consultancy, advising firms on their selection procedures. She's currently freelancing and is delighted to be reconnecting with King students via this podcast and wishes students every success in their applications. Brett Galloway has spent over 10 years leading entry talent teams in the legal sector and has worked for a number of the UK's largest firms. Since 2016, he's been a freelance consultant and has been appointed by a number of large organisations to assist with the design and delivery of graduate and apprenticeships programmes. His client portfolio extends across multiple sectors and he's been engaged by a number of large employers, including Deloitte, the Civil Service, Emirates Airlines and Statoil. In recent years, Brett has also taken on employability projects, collaborating with King's, the University of Law and the University of York. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's wonderful to have you both on board. Hello, Helen and hello, Brett. Hello. Hello. Well, you're both experts. So I'm delighted that you're here to help me to break down what I think is a very stressful time of year for students with multiple applications and pressures on their time. So my first question is to you, Brett. Um, in what, in your experience, what are legal recruiters looking for and why? Yeah, I think that's a really good question and one which obviously we get asked a lot by students. I mean, there's always the basic things which which recruiters look for um, around, you know, having good grades, having some work experience, having been involved in lots of things. But I think if to go beyond that and look at the things which maybe differentiate one candidate from another, uh, the three themes which I think are really topical at the moment are probably students that are resilient. There's a lot of focus on that right now in the legal sector and students who are able to demonstrate resilience, to be able to talk about things that they've done where they've dealt with setbacks or had to um, you know, take on board difficult feedback. So I think that's a really important thing to, to be thinking about. Um, I think students that are curious as well because, because the sector is evolving so rapidly and there's a lot of focus around technology and working in different ways. And I think there's kind of an expectation now that lawyers also have to be like that. So people who are, who are curious, not just intellectually, but but in lots of other ways as well. So thinking about, about that in its broadest possible way, I think is a good thing to reflect on. And then finally, I would say recruiters are looking for people who are culturally aligned. So, so students who can come in, fit into a law firm, share similar values and um, be happy there. Because obviously if you're happy, you're going to flourish. So it's really important, I think, in the selection processes but you were able to show that you looked into a firm's values and their cultures and, and, that, you, and, that, and you know, that you are aligned. So I think 
probably lots of other things, but but you know, if I was to pick out three things, those those would be the things that I would highlight to you. Thank you, Brett. And you, you've touched upon a really important theme there, I think, is about making sure that you're going to be happy in your future career and at the employer that you end up at. And I think sometimes students forget that that is a very important part of the process and one worth spending time on. So, Helen, you will know from um, your you know time working at King's that um, we if you like, categorise students' careers journey in three different phases, so discover, focus and action. And really interested to hear your thoughts on how students should approach that research stage of their career journey. So I guess their discover phase. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd really like to, I think, encourage more people to actually talk to recruiters and people working in the business already. And there are a lot of avenues um, that are provided through which students can do this. But it's something that if you if you talk to people, it will take you to that extra level of research. So everyone can read the directories, everyone can read the online brochures. Um, but I think as we're going to talk about throughout, differentiating firms is 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 really really dif difficult. So um, there are two ways in which you can, well, probably more than that, there are, there are lots of ways actually in which you can find uh, people in law firms to talk to. You can do it through graduate recruiters. They may be able to refer you to new recruits um, or associates or even partners, although you probably want to start with current trainees at the moment. Um, we've got Kings Connect, which is the alumni relations database. And there's also the opportunity through LinkedIn. And one of the things I think um, both Caroline and I have found that students really want to do is, is talk to people who've been through the same journey that they have. And also those people want to talk to current King students. So there's a lot of goodwill out there. But also when you talk to people, you can really find out a bit more about what they're doing. Um, you can really get some of the detail. And if you don't understand it, you can actually talk to them about what that means, what that means to them for their day, what that means to them for clients, what it means to them for the firm. And you will find that each person that you talk to, you will actually develop more and more insights and get better and better questions. And the really good bonus of this is that once you do your written applications, you'll be able to mention the fact that you've spoken to various people in your applications and you'll be able to actually reflect on what you learned from that because it's important not to just say um, you know I know you do x but to actually be able to reflect on it as well. That personalization part of it is, is very important as you quite rightly say um, and I'm really pleased that you mentioned the variety of, of resources that we have here at King's and I, I know you have done this a lot in your time Helen encouraging people to start that networking process off as early as possible even if it does feel very um, alien and a bit uncomfortable but it is part of a you know a career journey that we all go on um, Brett, just a, a theme that Helen picked up on, and I know something that you know we've all sort of had to grapple with as well. And lots of employers appear to be very similar. They look the same on the websites. They say the same things about themselves. So, you know, we all have students who come to us saying, "Well, how do I make my application tailored towards this this particular employer?" They all sound the same. What advice do you have for students who may be grappling with that very real challenge when they're applying or, or indeed interviewing with firms? I think 
the key thing really is the obvious thing, which is to make sure that you're not providing generic responses in interviews or, or on application forms. So essentially, is you know, as Helen's just said about researching the individual aspects of firms, I always say to students, there are actually far more similarities between the top 30 law firms than there are differences. I've worked in six of them, so I kind of speak from some level of experience there. And there are, you know, they're all very professional, hardworking. They all have similar sorts of clients, similar sorts of offices in similar jurisdictions. But the differences, I think, tend to be much more around culture and how they go about doing some of their work. And I think it's really important that you try and understand that, um, not just, um, you know, what the values that are written on a website, but actually by speaking to people who have worked in those places um, and, and, and really getting underneath their skin in terms of what they think the differences are. And there could be very small things, you know, some firms may encourage more curiosity or more early responsibility. Um, some law firms may work, collaborate more in teams than others do. Um, some law firms may place a stronger emphasis on feedback. Some have may, you know, maybe a lot more developed in terms of diversity and people of different backgrounds as well. So I would look at all of those aspects and, and try and convey those somehow um, during the interview and, and on application forms. But I think alongside all of that, there's also the differences that firms have in terms of yeah, there are there are differences in terms of their specialism. So some law firms have got biases towards practice areas, um, yeah, whether that be litigation or shipping or energy, which which others don't have. Some law firms do things like media, for example, as well. So pick up on those differences as well. And I think a lot also around strategy. So law firms, um, you know, they're, they're, they're moving quite. Uh, at quite a fast pace now in terms of how they're developing strategies around innovation and international reach um, around diversity and inclusion as well and I think if you understand those aspects of firm strategies again that sort of helps you articulate um, your reasons for applying and shows that you've done some some proper research. Yeah because at the end of the day if you get through for interview you are going to be sat probably opposite a person who part owns that business. So you're going to need to have done some detailed research on them as an organisation to, to show that you have at least attempted to understand a bit about their business and, and where you may well fit in. I mean, Helen, differentiating law firms and actually differentiating the sector is, is a really big thing that we work on a lot with students at King's. And you will remember that from your time uh, over the last few years uh, with the service. Um, and there is such a broad range, isn't there? So you've got your boutique firms, your niche firms, you've got Magic Circle, you've got commercial, human rights. H how do students even start to work out where they may be, be best placed to go? It is a very broad sector and I'm learning all the time about it. I think I usually try and ask students to think about differentiating something else not a law firm, but something else. So for example, an ice cream, a Cornetto's an ice cream, a Magnum's an ice cream, <laughs> but they they are different. Mm -hmm. And Brett's referred quite a lot to how you can sort of break, break that down and look at the sector and the practice areas. But I'd also look at things like international reach. Um, how are they managed? If you can get a feel for that, that might be be much harder but with the US firms for example is business driven from the US or is it from the UK 
um, and that kind of thing, but also looking at what areas of work they're engaged in at the moment. So how have they survived COVID-19? A lot of firms have done really well. Um, we know there's a lot of M&A and private equity and IP work, probably a lot of dispute resolution. So once again, you can look at the future and think how, how, how sort of well balanced are they as a firm? What will they do if all of that changes? Or have they got a particular reputation that other people aren't going to be able to, able to challenge? Um, so that's really important. I think when you look at firms that are non-city firms and might do a broader range of work, then you really have to look at how much of each thing they do. So it's all very well going to a firm and thinking because you think they do human rights, but what kind of human rights for whom and how much of it do they do? Um, if you find that quite a lot of their work is commercial work as well, that might be because it's underpinning the financial viability of being able to continue with the human rights practice. So there's quite a lot that you need to look at there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you mentioned, um, you know, the last 18 to 20 months, um, you know, the COVID pandemic has had a, an impact, um, positive and negative, on, on all many, many sectors. And it's also affected the way in which recruiters assess and interview candidates. So, so Brett, perhaps I can come to you on this. What have been your observations in the changes that have come about because of the fact we've all been forced to stay at home? Um, and how is that? What does that mean in ter practical terms for students who are navigating or have had to navigate these assessment processes? Yeah, it's a very good question. My, my view on this essentially is that law firms have, have accelerated into the future um, and they've probably just caught up with what other sectors, some other sectors were already doing, like financial services. So what we're seeing now is that a lot of assessment is, is, is done um, remotely or more of it is done remotely and more use of technologies. And that's impacted students in lots of different ways. So... Things like application forms have been online for a long time, but but other other parts of processes haven't. So you know there's much more emphasis now on things like online testing, video interviews, um, and also platforms where assessment days can also be done virtually. So there are lots of upsides to that, um, and some students love all of that. Um, but there are some downsides, and I think the downsides for me are that students don't necessarily get the face-to-face -face contact with key stakeholders that you want to meet when you're making such a big decision. Partners, trainees, other people in the building, they don't get to see the offices necessarily. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that process transitions back to what it used to be before the pandemic and how much of it stays the same. And I think that's a big call for law firms because they've got to balance cost um, and all the technologies that they've invested in um, to get through the pandemic with, with some of the sort of human elements of recruitment processes, which I think both sides some would like to see coming back into the process. Um, but I think it goes far beyond that. I mean, obviously, We've also seen things like vacation schemes, you know, become remote as well. Um, and, you know, further down the line, the impact on trainees themselves. You know, I think trainees historically have spent a lot of time in offices. I think a lot of and getting a lot of feedback by sharing office space with, with their supervisors and with senior colleagues. And I think, you know, there's a transition and an expectation now that trainees might have to be more self-sufficient. 
And I think a lot of that goes back to where I started the podcast was talking about resilience and being able to handle that kind of setback and being quite self-reliant almost. So there's lots of changes. Some are technical, some are some, you know, some are a bit more around how people you know manage their careers and manage how much feedback they get and and how comfortable they feel being remote compared to being in an office. But I think one thing for sure is that we have accelerated into the future. We're probably going to get there anyway, eventually. We've just got there quicker than people like me expected. Um, I think we will put the brakes on and we'll probably go back a little bit. But it's important, I think, for you know, for students that are applying to law firms to actually think about this stuff. Because actually the, the, this kind of topical conversation we're having now actually helps you. It's a really good question to ask in an interview. And it's a really important part of strategy as well. So when you're thinking about commercial awareness, think about this stuff because this is innovation and this is change and how our law firm is managing change and how are they managing the impact of change on their most important asset, which is their people. Mm. So yeah, lots to think about. Yeah, and I've been very interested and actually very pleased to see that recently students I've been supporting with practice interviews um, in person is because they do have in-person interviews coming up, albeit the very tail end of the process. So as you say, there's lots of technology and lots of online aspects and parts of an assessment process, but very interesting, perhaps not surprising that partners are wanting to see people in, in person. And yeah, the vacation schemes and open days, um, it'll be interesting to see how what happens with those as well. Um, Helen, I'd like to turn to you next, if I may, because, um, you know, all the years of experience you've had working with students who have not just done LLMs and LL, and sorry, not just done LLBs, um, but also LLMs. And one of the things I noticed is that some students um, almost forget the transferable skills that they are building up throughout their studies. And I'm really keen to understand from you what you think those key transferable skills are and, and why they're going to be valuable to employers. Yeah, I'm going to mention resilience again. I was absolutely delighted that Brett mentioned it right at the beginning uh, because it's something that law firms have been telling us for years that um, they, they, you know, once people start in their organisations, they feel that resilience sometimes drops because mm -hmm things start to go wrong for them, <laughs> perhaps for the first time. So actually thinking about your resilience and, and um, what you've overcome is really helpful. And um, it, it gets a little bit tedious to keep mentioning to COVID, but a lot of our LLM students will probably have been um, doing their course remotely. They won't necessarily have had the opportunities to mix with as many people, which is always a real, real benefit. Um, of being on the LLM. Um, but if they've been able to do it, if they've been able to keep going, and that applies to LLB as well, um, you know, then there will be a huge amount of resilience that they've been able to demonstrate in that. Apart from that, the intellectual skills which aren't knowledge-based. It's not that knowledge isn't important. And I think particularly for the LLM, um, obviously becoming perhaps maybe more of an expert in something is helpful but it's very unlikely any law firm's going to recruit you on that and on that knowledge alone um, so it will be more the underlying skills the analysis so how have you got better at analysis compared to your undergraduate degree even if you've had some time out at work you can probably compare how you use your analytical skills um, on the academic side compared to how you use them practically and then you've got a, a real sort of wealth of 
examples to choose from. Problem solving, communication, how has, how has that improved? Are you working in teams? Obviously, teamwork, there's a lot of communication involved um, in there. Um, and managing time. And I really wanted to, to mention managing time because uh, I think Brett and I earlier this year, we know, we've noticed when we were doing some mock assessment centres um, that, you know, managing time is a real issue. And uh, your intellectual skills are important as that, as well as your practical organisation skills. So can you synthesise a lot of information quickly? Can you look at perhaps a whole wide range of documents and decide which are the most important ones. So leading on to another skill, judgment. So I think that's enough about skills because, you know, those cover quite a lot of different areas that the majority of firms are probably looking for. Yeah, and, and just staying with you, Helen, if I may, um, you, you mentioned assessment centres there, and I guess, you know, a lot of our students will be, if they're not already preparing, they'll be preparing over the next few weeks and months for assessment centres, tests, all the different exercises they're going to have to go through. What practical steps can they take so that they can go into those assessments feeling as prepared as they possibly can? I think practice as much as you can, because... Um, I'm interested to hear what you're saying about some of the practice interviews becoming face to face. So I'm wondering if that's happening with some of the assessment centre group exercises and things like that as well. Um, or maybe that's an unknown at the moment. But um, unless you've an idea what the content of an assessment centre might be, then I think it's really difficult to to, to try and practice that. So first and foremost, you need to get as much information out of the organisation as you can. So if you're going to have a group exercise, what type of group exercise? Is it business case study? Is it something more general? Will you be interviewed about, about the case study on your own afterwards? Um, will you have to have a group discussion about it? And um, take as many opportunities as you can. And even if you can't do this in your academic life as such, do it in your extracurriculars to talk to people about business issues. One of the questions I often asked students was, if you were asked to talk about this issue um, with a group of friends in a cafe or something, how would you, would you be able to talk about it? And lots of people say, yes, I'd find that much easier. So um, I think you have to try and imagine yourself in situations where you would be able to cope with um, a business scenario. Um, one of the things that's um, interesting me at the moment is Elon Musk and um, what's happening on Twitter. And um, he asked his Twitter followers to vote on, I think, what he should do with his stock, something like that. And you may well get something like that. Uh, you may get a question that's much uh, broader than that, you know, uh, written out as a case study where there's all sorts of issues that you have to discuss as a team. Now, generally, there isn't a right or wrong answer, but you have to have opinions and you have to be, be able to back them up with some rationale. So getting some practice doing that's really important. If it's going to be uh, something on Teams, then you must really know how to use Teams. Um, you must try talking to lots of different people on teams and one of the things I find really difficult is how do you interrupt people without being a total menace that's really hard um, but I think if you if you do it more often um, then you that's something that you will get better at. Um, a student gave some feedback to King's Business School students today he'd been to some interviews and he said it's really important to perhaps be a little bit more exaggerated when you're on teams 
um, you know, so that uh, obviously someone knows that you're there. <laughs> but I would try to make sure that you're not interrupting people and you do that in, in your natural, charming way. So practice is very important. It's that etiquette, isn't it, that people had got so used to in person and now it's with a screen or two in between you and the other person who you're trying to impress it and all work with virtually. So it's definitely lots of different things that uh, students are grappling with. And, um, you know, we can obviously provide support from the careers team as much as we can do. But I agree with you, Helen, talking to people at the at the organisations and seeing if there's people who in the year above you or other people who've gone through processes at those organisations as well. Certainly certain students I've been supporting recently have had found it very useful to talk to, whether it's trainees who are already at the organisation or people that have, are from Kings who have already gone through that process. So it goes back to networking, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, I, th I think, yeah, I worked for a short time um, with King's with King's University and I was really impressed with actually the resources that students actually do have. Um, and one of the things which we developed whilst I was working um, in the team was, was a practice case study and a practice group exercise, both of which are quite commercial and both of which test a lot of the competencies that, that firms are looking for. So I know Caroline, you're running with those still, and and yes. uh, I would encourage students to do those. Well, it's fantastic that you have access to that um, within Kings. Also, the practice interviews that you can do in Kings. Um, but definitely, um, yeah, I think at the point you just made, actually, talk to talk to your peers, talk to people who are in the year above you, um, see what process they went through and how they feel, how they succeeded or actually how they failed, what feedback they may have had if they didn't get through that you can maybe learn from. So share and collaborate um, with people, you know, or if you don't know people, you know, there are quite a few forums out there as well where you can get access to that information. So, yeah, take advantage of people like you as well who worked in law firms and if they can come and talk to people like you, um, you know, that's surely going to help equip them for success. Um, we've been talking a lot about setting students up for success, but we all know from our experience that people do fall down and often there is a very, you know, there's a common pitfall that they've fallen into. And I just really keen to understand what your, guess your two top tips are for students to focus on to make sure they're not falling down. Um, easily in the process. So Helen, can I come to you first, please? Yeah, when, when you're looking at your motivation for law, uh, try and compare and contrast a law career with at least a couple of others. That will enable you to be analytical about why you want law. And motivation is absolutely key to getting through that application assessment process. Great, thank you. Brett? Um, if I was to pick two, I'd probably say one is probably, uh, probably I'm a little bit old fashioned and traditional on this one, but be really careful with typos, grammar and expression. Yeah. Um, that's something which you can easily change by just getting access to some help, asking somebody else to read something with a fresh pair of eyes. Um, lawyers, lawyers do pick up on that, on that kind of um, detail. So think about the verbs that you're using to describe what you've done as well and try and don't just go for the, the obvious verbs, but think of things that are a little bit more creative. Um, and as I said, typos and grammar, you know, we can fix all of that stuff. So make, make sure you get that attention to detail. Um, and then I think the other top tip really is just to try and be original. 
whoever is reading all of these forms probably has read about 200 or 300 that week before they've read yours. So if you can put on something there which is a little bit different, which might show a little bit of a different angle in your research, um, or just focusing on your competencies in a slightly different way, I think that um, also helps an application form stand out. And I'm going to cheat here and add a third one, if I may. Um, when using examples to answer competency questions, um, it's important to have good examples that are interesting, but actually if you're thinking about it and how you're going to structure those answers, it's much more important to think about the actions that you used and that you showcased when you were when you were in those situations. So don't 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 be complacent and think that having great examples or great situations um, will, dif will be enough to differentiate you. You've also got to be really analytical and think about how did I show teamwork? How did I show resilience? What were my actions? And reflect on those and come and talk to them. You know, come and talk about those with the career consultants if you're struggling, because actually that's where most of the marks are gained. So it, that's um, probably for me the most important part of the star the star approach is is to focus on the actions. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. So come to our final question, and I'm going to come to both of you on this again. Um, and I guess what I really want to understand from you is, you know, with the benefit of all your experience. Um, Maybe what your top piece of advice would be for students who students and graduates of King's who are navigating the world of careers at the moment. So Helen, could I come to you first, please? I think keep going. Um, over the years, um, spoken to many students who for whom it's taking them a little bit longer to maybe get that first interview. Um, but then we find that they're suddenly on a roll and get a number of interviews. So I think it's really important not to think this is something that you will necessarily achieve at exactly the same rate as the person who's got their job offers much earlier in the year than some other people. So keep going and careers can really help you do that. Thank you, Helen. And Brett? I think for me, it's about being curious about, about a career that you're going into. Um, I suspect but there's a lot of pressure on a lot of students to do what their peers are doing. And that often means um, a lot of people end up going into commercial law. And whilst that's a fantastic career to work in, um, it's not the career, it's not the only career, and it might not be the career for you. So explore the other options. One of the downsides of law is it, it, it encourages you to apply very early. You've got to get pretty proactive even in your first year and be applying in your second. And sometimes that doesn't always give us enough time to explore. So think about the other things that you can do with a law degree. You know, I, I, I work for the civil service. I, I've worked for large consultancies like Deloitte. Yeah, a lot of the skills that you get on a law degree are highly transferable and you don't necessarily have to be a commercial lawyer. Um, so think about all the other options that are out there and talk about them. Absolutely. And that's a word. Curiosity is a word that I've been saying to students a lot this term. So I'm very glad that you, you brought it up. And Helen, I absolutely agree with you. Keeping going, showing that resilience, really, really important and um, a very important part of the process. So we have come to the end of our time together. It's gone very, very quickly as these interviews always do. But before I let you both go, I want to remind our listeners that we'll be back with a new series of Let's Talk Law in early 2022, where we'll be talking to some more alumni and other special guests about insights into life beyond key 
meetings and um, connections to the legal world. But in the meantime, and on behalf of our listeners, thank you very much to Helen and Brett for joining me today. It's been wonderful chatting with you. And on behalf of our listeners, thank you so much for sharing your invaluable experience and insights into the world of careers, um, law and other sectors as well. So thank you very much. Thank you.